Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They take care of our air conditioning, and they'll do a great job for you as well. Just go to the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Pastor Rick Stevens, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Our U.S. Congressman, Byron Donalds, will be joining us well. He's, he's back from a visit to the border. It should be an interesting conversation. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. He'll be joining us as well as former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. It is April the 15th, and on this day in 1947, Jackie Robinson, age 28, became the first African-American player in Major League Baseball when he stepped onto Ebbets Field in Brooklyn to compete for the Brooklyn Dodgers. He broke the color barrier in a sport that had been segregated for more than 50 years. Exactly 50 years later, on April the 15th, 1997, Robinson's groundbreaking career was honored and his uniform number, number 42, was retired from Major League Baseball by Commissioner Bill Bud in a ceremony attended by over 50,000 fans at a New York City's Shea Stadium. He's the first ever number, 42, to be retired by all teams in the league. Jack Roosevelt Robinson was born on January the 31st, 1919 in Cairo, Georgia, to a family of sharecroppers. Growing up, he excelled at sports and attended the University of California at Los Angeles, where he was the first athlete to letter in four varsity sports, baseball, basketball, football, and track. After financial difficulties forced Robinson to drop out of UCLA, he joined the U.S. Army in 1942 and was commissioned as a second lieutenant. After protesting instances of racial discrimination during his military service, Robinson was court-martialed in 1944. Ultimately, though, he was honorably discharged. After the Army, Roosevelt uh, Robinson played a season in the Negro American uh, League, the Negro American League. In 1946, he spent one season with the Canadian minor league team, the Montreal Royals. In 1947, he was called up by the majors and soon became a star infielder and outfielder for the Dodgers, as well as the National League's Rookie of the Year. In 1949, he was named the National League's Most Valuable Player and the league batting champ. Robinson played on the National League All-Star team from 49 to 54 and led the Dodgers to six National League pennants and one World Series in 1955. He was inducted into Baseball's Hall of Fame in 1962, his first year of eligibility. Despite his talent and success as a player, he faced racial discrimination throughout his career from baseball fans and some fellow players. Additionally, Jim Crow laws prevented Robinson from using the same hotels and restaurants as his teammates while playing in the South. Can you imagine that? How humiliating. After retiring from baseball in 1957, he became a businessman and civil rights activist. He died October the 24th, 1972, at the tender age of 53 in Stanford, Connecticut. Jackie Robinson, one of the greats of all time. Going for the uh <laughs> from this going to the profane Bernie Madoff, the financial uh advisor or financier who pleaded guilty to orchestrating the largest Ponzi scheme in history, died early Wednesday in federal prison. Officials say he began his Ponzi scheme in the early seventies using investments made by new clients to pay off older clients. For decades, he defrauded thousands of people and organizations, including universities, Jewish not-for-profits, even celebrities like John Malkovich, in over 125 countries, making them think their investments brought steady returns. It wasn't until 2008 recession, when clients began withdrawing their investments, that things came to light. Madoff had wiped out his clients' savings, charities, and college funds, totaling tens of billions of dollars. In 2009, he pled guilty to 11 charges, including fraud and was sentenced to 150 years in prison, the maximum amount. You and I, well, I'm sure you know folks that were defrauded. I certainly do. A sad day in their lives when they found out what was going on. How sad. You know, 
you know, uh, you talk about people that make a difference, like Jackie Robinson. Here's a guy that made a difference, but in the wrong way. By the way, yesterday, many of us lost a great friend. Peter Negri died suddenly. He was a man of good humor and a good citizen, a good friend. Our condolences to Peter, to his family. Uh, Pete, you will be missed. Many of our listeners uh, know Peter, know who I'm talking about. Well, the Naples Daily News analysis reveals that in the two weeks following spring vacation, Collier Schools reported 129 new infections, 30% more than the 99 added the two weeks prior to spring break, which was from March 15th to 19th, an increase of 30 cases out of 54 schools and tens of thousands of students. This is a rounding error, and this is just another effort by the Naples Daily News to push fear porn. Because, the, uh, because of the vir- virus and the pandemic. As I've mentioned so many times before on the show, I think the fear pandemic is worse than the virus pandemic myself. Stanford uh, Medical School professor Jay Bachachara, I'm gonna, I butchered his name. I practiced it so many times. But anyhow, he participated in a roundtable discussion with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis uh, that was banned by YouTube for the misinformation of saying the best evidence is that children should not be masked in school. Yesterday, he pointed this out in the Wall Street Journal. The company said it removed the video because it included content that contradicts the consensus of local and global health authorities regarding the efficacy of masks to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Yet the panelists are all experts and all spoke against requiring children to wear masks. I can't speak for my counterparts, but my reasoning would co- was a cost-benefit analysis. The benefits of masking children are so small to none, the costs are much, much higher, he said. YouTube's action violates basic standards of scientific conduct. The company labeled our discussion on masking children as misinformation without providing any detail about its scientific reasoning. If YouTube wants to argue that we were wrong, it has an obligation to show the evidence. Where's the evidence, YouTube? More evidence than uh, these big tech companies have way too much power and influence. Sad indeed. Almost half of all Republicans say they would never get a COVID-19 vaccine in the latest poll from the Monmouth University Polling Institute. Far more than the portion Democrats or independents who said the same. The number of people who have been skittish about vaccines have dropped as more Americans line up for the shot. But the hardcore group we're calling they're calling us would want to avoid it at all costs has barely budged the recent news about j and j vaccines is probably not going to help the situation on the other hand it might not make it all that much worse since uh, much of the reluctance is really ingrained in partisan identity said patrick murray the independent institute's director have you heard yesterday's show about dr fleming the fleming method i think it was called uh, certainly, there's questions, suppressed information about the efficacy of uh, the seriousness of the uh, of the uh, virus, number one, and the use of masks, and then also about the vaccine. Well, the Biden Justice Department announced Wednesday it has closed the investigation on the homicide death of Trump supporter Ashley Babbitt that took place inside the Capitol during this uh, July January 6 riot. That was while Congress was meeting in a joint session to certify the November presidential election in favor of Joe Biden. Babbitt, who was unarmed, was shot and killed without apparent warning by a plainclothes Capitol Police officer as she climbed through a broken window in a door at the Speaker's lobby. The name of the officer was not released. Uh, you know, you, you saw the video that she could actually see an arm reaching through the crowd and shooting her uh, point blank. I received this from Andy Joppa. He's a guest on the show on Wednesdays. I thought this uh, was well worth repeating. Mark well the killing of Ashley Babbitt, he says. As time goes on, we're going to maybe look back to her brutal slaughter as the first quote-unquote legal murder of an American citizen by a member of the corrupt government. I fear it's not the last time that wantonly take, uh, they wantonly take the life of a patriotic citizen because the person supported the wrong po- political position or acted in some benign manner that was they found unacceptable. He says, The outrage I feel can hardly be measured. Certainly two tiers of justice, aren't there? Thank you, Andy. Well, the officer shot uh, uh, Dante Wright in Minneapolis suburb of Brooklyn Center, was arrested Wednesday and charged in his death. The officer is a 26-year veteran of the force, and during a traffic stop with Wright, she said she mistook her handgun for a taser and shot him. 
Wright was uh, 20 years of age. Kim Potter is expected to be charged with manslaughter, a source told the Daily Beast, and she would be booked in the Hennepin County Jail on probable cause of second-degree manslaughter. She arrested uh, on Wednesday. When Potter announced her resignation, she said, I've loved every minute of being a police officer and serving this community to the best of my ability, but I believe it is in the best interest of the community, the department, and my fellow officers that I resign immediately. Well, of course, she was arrested, and uh, she'll be going to uh, trial for uh, making a mistake. Police claim that Potter accidentally mistook her gun for a taser, although many have questioned how a veteran officer such as Potter could have made such a catastrophic mistake. You know, in the heat of battle, stuff happens. Uh, You know, I certainly have empathy for what happened. It won't surprise you that the legacy media outfits haven't mentioned a stunning opening victory that guerrilla filmmaker James O'Keefe won last month in his libel case against New York Times. He sued the Times, who wrote that his undercover video of a fraud ring linked to uh, radical Democrat Representative Eli Omar of Minneapolis was deceptive and represented misinformation. Well, actually, O'Keefe performed a public service in exposing the fraud, which is now under police investigation. New York Supreme Court Justice Charles Wood ruled against the Times' motion to dismiss Keefe's lawsuit and found the Project Veritas had shown sufficient evidence that the Times might have been motivated by actual malice and acted with reckless disregard. Congratulations to James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. I hope this will lead to more uh, cases like this where uh, misinformation is being uh, used, especially like CNN. It's just unbelievable. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Pastor Rick Stevens. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I'd like to check out Choice Social, a new refreshing social networking platform. You can download it on choicesocial.us on the website. 
Coming up, we're going to be visiting with our U.S. Congressman, Byron Donalds. Right now, we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens. Pastor Rick is the uh, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to do it, Bob. Always great to talk to you. You as well, Pastor Rick. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're just a bunch of people that work together to try to bring solutions to K-12 through education in Florida. We think our kids need to have a great education, and we want to find the answers to the problems they face and help move the needle in that direction. We're a grassroots group. We are, Most of us are volunteers. We have hired one person recently, and that's helped us a lot. But uh, we just work together with, with all kinds of people to try to move the thing in the right direction for our kids and give them a good education. Doing a great job. I'll just personally mention that I'm a founding member of the Florida Citizens Alliance and how they've grown in the last years and the uh, eight years and the influence in uh, Tallahassee. Legislature is just absolutely fantastic. Congratulations, Pastor Rick. So uh, we've got a a big event coming up on Saturday. We do. Celebrating Kids and Country. We have planned this event for a while. It's only a three-hour event, so it's not a long time. We're not going to take all day on Saturday. We know people are busy. Starts with a free Chick-fil-A breakfast, so we want people to come early. Doors open at 8.15. It's at the Naples Community Church. We want to invite people to go to our website, goflca.com, and sign up and plan to join us. We're having some nationally known speakers there. We're bringing Rebecca Friedrichs from California. She's been on the national stage at the Republican National Convention. She's been involved in education from the teacher level. She's seen how wonderful it is, what a great teacher teaches children. She's been involved in the teacher union, behind-the-scenes stuff, and seeing a bunch of the nonsense that goes on. And she can really tell us about how all the hope that there is for education and all of the hazards for our children. We want to invite people to come. This Saturday starts at 9 o'clock at Naples Community Church. Sign up on our website, goflca.com. Yeah, and uh, by the way, I have uh, some tickets that I can give away. There's a uh, minimal cost to attend, but nevertheless, uh, if you have an interest in attending, and I hope you do, I'm going to be there. I'm bringing a guest. Uh, you can call me at 598-3889, 598-3889, or send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, and I'll make sure you get tickets uh, for this event uh, I've got four tickets to give away. So I hope you'll uh, reach out, and I hope we'll see you there. Pastor Rick, I understand you have some great news for us when it comes to uh, for parents and kids going to uh, Florida schools. Well, yeah, there's been an awful lot of uproar, particularly in southwest Florida, both in Lee and Collier County, over the mask mandate. I was at the Lee County School Board meeting Tuesday night, and we had a team at the Collier County School Board meeting Tuesday night and that those meetings, when it came to public comment, were loud and declarative to the school board on a number of issues. One of them was the mask mandate. Parents are absolutely unhappy with that. Teachers are unhappy with it. There was one teacher in Lee County spoke eloquently that it's hurting her ability to teach her students. It's hurting her students' ability to learn. And the good news is, on Wednesday, yesterday, Commissioner of Education Richard Corcoran sent from the Florida Department of Education a memo to district superintendents telling them that the department recommends that the mask wearing be voluntary next year. In other words, no more mask mandates as far as the Department of Education is concerned. They went so far as to say they serve no remaining good at this point in our schools. They said there's no data that supports that they help or even impact the spread of the virus. So they are very forthright in saying it's time to end the mask mandates. And I can hear the rejoicing from parents all across southwest Florida as they learned this news this morning, because it is a big deal, and it's important that we listen to our parents, that we give them the choices that that they need to have, and that we respect their choices. Yeah. That is just great news, Pastor Rick. I mean, uh, now parents, it's it's in their control. Perhaps they want their child to wear a mask at school and if they have suppressed immune system, but it should be up to the parent or the child, certainly not up to uh, some official in, in uh, Tallahassee. Well, that's great well, news. That's right. Uh, and, and even more, in Lee County, the parents were telling me outside after we were in the meeting that in Lee County it's up to the district super, or the school superintendent that he can, on his own initiative, lift the mask mandate. And so they're all going to say, and, and we agree and support them, if it's not necessary next school year, why is it necessary for the rest of this school year? Great point. And I, I imagine you're going to hear a lot of people locally calling for an immediate end to it. And in Lee County, all it would take was the 
superintendent to say, okay, enough's enough, we're done. So we'll see what happens. Oh, outstanding. Uh, any other any news from uh, Tallahassee? Well, there's always news from Tallahassee, and sometimes it's even good. <laughs> um, right now we're finding out that uh, <laughs> we're in a terrible position. We, we wrote and worked very hard on a very good bill to deal with the harmful materials that are in our schools that, that our kids are exposed to every day. And we had great sponsors in the House and the Senate, but the legislative sausage machine has kicked into gear, and the bill that is now being considered in both chambers is a shell of what we started out with. And, in fact, we find ourselves in the unenviable position of opposing the bill we started out supporting even writing. Wow. What has happened is that the bill has been so drastically diminished and it's been changed from giving the parents the power to choose their child's education to requiring the parents to opt out if they don't want their child involved. And we have long been advocates of opt-in. You know, parents have to sign their children up for sports teams. Right. It's not just automatic. They have to go through the process and say, yes, I want my child to play on the sports team. Well, why shouldn't parents have the same opportunity when it comes to such sensitive material as teaching them about sexuality and diseases and things like that. But instead, the legislature seems to be moving in the direction of setting it up so the school can teach what they choose to teach, and the parents have to then opt their child out. Hmm. How much better it would be if the school had to develop a curriculum and say to the parents, look how great this is. This is wonderful. This is going to help your child. This is going to help you as a parent. And, and make it so the parents would be easy to, eager to sign their child up. But instead, it puts parents on the defense when it's an opt-out, and the parents have to be vigilant and say, not for my child, go to all kinds of extra trouble. We think that's the wrong thing. We think the schools should serve the parents and the students, not expect the parents and the students to serve the schools. Couldn't agree more. What you're doing is so important, Pastor Rick, and I, again, I want to encourage our listeners, uh, uh, attend Celebrating Kids and Country uh, on Saturday morning at the Naples Community Church from 9 a.m. until uh, n- until noon, uh, doors open, I think you said at 8.15, uh, you can yeah. go to goflca.com, goflca.com to sign up. It's going to be a terrific event. Pastor Rick, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Bob. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure indeed. See you on Saturday. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Byron Donalds, our Uh, U.S. Congressman, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, 
and about the season's exciting productions, visit GolfShorePlayhouse.org. That's GolfShorePlayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Uh, the website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us our U.S. Congressman, Byron Donalds. Congressman, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Byron? You know, uh, I woke up in D.C. They say it's paradise, but it's not. I miss home. Yeah, that's how I'm doing. <laughs> well, th- thanks for your candor. So, you know, I know that you were just recently you had a border visit. I just really appreciate getting your thoughts on, uh, Im- on immigration and what's going on. Well, listen, let me just tell you, the number one thing that's really happening on our southern border is that um, we are being played, frankly, as fools. That's what is happening to the United States. Yeah. Uh, the cartel is using these children as pawns, not only to make millions and millions of dollars every week, I believe the number is around 14 million a week is what the cartels making trafficking children, but they're also using the children as pawns to basically traffic more drugs into the United States. And the other part that's frustrating is the president of the United States, um, has a mild is mildly complicit because he's aware he has to be aware of what's going on, but he will not change the enforcement protocols. Uh, let's be very clear. The enforcement protocols under President Trump really stopped the flow of unaccompanied minors to the southern border. Yes. And so we actually saw, after there was a surge back in 2018, what we saw was the president double down on the enforcement measures. And then what happened was the flow of unaccompanied minors and other people coming to our country illegally slowed down dramatically. When Joe Biden was sworn in, he removed all those measures. The, yep. the biggest one, when you talk to border control, is the stay in Mexico policy. Mm-hmm. He got rid of all this stuff. And what that did is it told the cartel, ooh, the United States is going to be loose on on, in, uh, on enforcement control, on border patrol, and we're going to start sending kids. And so they've fully taken advantage of this. And so what happens now is you'll have these unaccompanied minors. They will cross the border. And they don't run from border patrol, Bob. They run right to border patrol, and they say, I'm 16 years old. I'm 15 years old. I want asylum. And what's happening is Border Patrol has a decision to make. Are they going to take the kids in and, and frankly, get, get control of the situation with people? Or are they going to stop the drugs? Because the cartel will send the kids first. When Border Patrol engages the kids, hmm. then they send the fentanyl and the cocaine and all the other stuff. This is what's happening on the southern border, Bob. And as I understand it, they're putting uh, kids on uh, buses and sending them all over the United States. Uh, and as I understand it, too, they're giving, uh, telling federal employees that they're willing to take in a child. They, they'll get some paid leave. <laughs> all kinds of strange things going on. Look, I will tell you, I was, at, um, I was down at the El Paso border station. Um, I went to one of the commercial checkpoints. And when I was leaving El Paso, I went to Fort Bliss. Didn't, didn't announce myself. I didn't schedule a tour. I went to Fort Bliss and went and looked in this facility. What the, what the Biden administration is doing right now, they are depopulating the Border Patrol facilities, and they're moving kids to, to unmarked hotels all across the United States, mm-hmm. and they're moving kids onto, onto military facilities like Fort Bliss. Bob, they are literally building tent villages to house all these children. And the reason they're doing this is because they're trying to disperse the kids all across the, from from the borders from the from the border patrol facilities all over the United States. So to disperse the problem, to disperse the crisis, that's what's happening. And so when I went into Fort Bliss, it's a massive facility that they were still building because you had heavy equipment rolling around the place to add on a facility. When I when, when I was on my way to Fort Bliss, there was a hotel that had like the marquees all covered up, and there was a bus out front, a coach bus. That was similar to a coach bus that HHS was putting kids on from the Border Patrol Mm. uh, detention facility. And you saw people stationed at each entrance, and you had a little kid in the doorway. Bob, I'm telling you, what this administration wants to do is they want to disperse the crisis so that when Kamala Harris or Joe Biden actually go down there, they're going to say, oh, look, see, 
There's nothing to see here. Mm -hmm. These kids are being taken care of. We have a humanitarian crisis. Bob, we don't have a humanitarian crisis on our border. We have a political crisis on our border. Because if we don't take our laws seriously, the cartel sure won't. Yeah. And the last thing I'll add to this is, and people are saying, why do you keep bringing up the cartel? There is not there is not a package that can move across the southern border from Mexico. There's not a person that can move across the southern border. And I'm not talking about an illegal package like drugs. I'm talking about legal tractor trailers from companies south of the border. They cannot move through cartel territory without paying the cartel. Yeah. The cartel controls every square mile of land south of our border. It is all controlled by the cartel. And so the cartel is making millions and millions of dollars every week off of the weak enforcement policies of this administration. Yeah, it's just like it's like the cartels are almost on our payroll, so to speak. And uh, quite frankly, it, to me, it looks like this administration decided we're going to break the law. We understand the law. And uh, we're not even going to feign compliance. We're just going to go ahead and allow these kids to come in and uh, to be dispersed across the United States. And uh, well, once, uh, you know, we'll move slowly, perhaps make a conversation about uh, rebuilding and restarting the wall. But uh, it's, it's the people that are in charge of breaking the law. It's just very dis dis disheartening. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, when you look at the wall itself, there are sections of the southern border that you just have steel rebar just sitting there why because joe biden in his in his infinite wisdom really no wisdom at all said oh no we don't need to build this anymore and so it's not that they cleaned up the construction sites bob the stuff the materials are just sitting there uh. the united states is paying the contractors not to work right now uh. that's what joe biden did mm. this stuff was all appropriated by congress the money was there to finish completion Joe Biden pulled people off the job site, just like he pulled people off the Keystone Pipeline, because Joe Biden is playing politics. His whole view is making sure he satisfies his base and what his base wants. His base wants open borders. But this open border policy, what it's leading to is the human trafficking of young kids. Yeah, That's what's happening. Not to mention the young girls who are being caught in the lurch in this whole thing. And so, you know, what they're, and I'm, I'm going to give you my foreshadow what we're going to see, Bob. You're going to see Kamala Harris and Joe Biden do this whole dog and pony show about how great their new protocols are and how humanitarian their new protocols are. But what they will never tell you is that a, a young girl from Guatemala is on, a, is on a five to 20 day trek from Guatemala to come into our border facilities where literally she is in a cage waiting to make contact with somebody in the United States. And the only reason a young girl, a nine year old girl, goes on a five-day to 20-day arduous journey having to deal with the cartel is because this president has decided unilaterally that our immigration laws should not be enforced. Oh, Byron, it's very disconcerting. And just to, before I let you go, get, get your thoughts on what's happening in Congress right now. We've got some very strange uh proposals actually being actually making it to the floor it looks like a, there's a slush fund to provide all of this because uh for example the infrastructure program that's being proposed doesn't have much money towards infrastructure what are your thoughts no i mean it's about five percent goes to actually roads and bridges i mean if you want to be super generous on infrastructure and include waterways and broadband you can get that number up to around 20 percent the rest of this bill is what they're trying to do, so calling infrastructure is anything that helps the development of people. Mm -hmm. And so um, expansion of Medicaid is in this bill. Corporate tax increases, which is frankly would be a disaster for our economy when we're trying to get our, our economy back up and running as quickly as we can. And, and frankly, if we're going to get our economy up and running quickly, the only thing we need to do is to tell government to get out of the way. Yeah. People are ready to work. Companies are ready to get back to full capacity. People want to get back to life. It's government that's in the way at this point. Like, truly, it's only government in the way. Yeah. We don't need more money from Washington. We don't need to change our tax policy, frankly. Yeah. All we need to do is get out of the way, and the animal spirits in our economy will take over, and we will have a roaring economy again because we have so much pent-up demand in the United States. Right. But this administration is, to quote Rahm Emanuel, he's not letting a crisis go to waste. And so this infrastructure bill is nothing to do with infrastructure. Very little of it has to do with infrastructure. They'll talk about all the bridges and, and green energy projects that they want to do because the Green New Deal is basically in this infrastructure bill. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what they'll talk about. But they won't talk about the, the rampant waste and, and of money 
that of, of spending it on things that we don't need with money we don't have. Byron, just a, it has to be discouraging to, to do your work up there. I just really appreciate, first of all, your articulate messages to us, and number two, you representing us in Congress, because I know there's others up there like you uh, who are uh, like-minded, and uh, that's just very important right now because we're up against a very difficult task uh, in terms of the United States, and uh, we're seeing kind of freedom slip away, and it's uh, very dis disconcerting. Byron, I really appreciate your coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. You have a wonderful day. Wonderful day. God bless everybody. God bless you too, Byron. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and uh, president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Listen to the Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of the government, and uh, yeah, it's not going well. Not going well at all. Hey, I really appreciated your column in Red State. She came out yesterday. Anti-equity, if they're cheating, it matters not how well you do things. Maybe you could tell us about it. Well, it was, we've talked about the inequities in global trade, and Trump certainly made a, an issue of it. And, um, you know, it's we have these domestic free traders, allegedly, you know, the, the think tanks and stuff, who to singularly focus on we need to be free free trade, which means we get rid of all tariffs, uh, trade limits, and and um, uh, subsidies, regardless of what it does, which, of course, is exceedingly stupid. Right. Um, and there was an article in the U.K., uh, about the U.K., the uh, United Kingdom. Of course, they're in the long-drawn drawn out slow process of leaving Europe and it's kind of left them in no man's land and one of the things they recognize is the the, the, the uh, sugar farmer alliance came out and said we're getting killed by global subsidies mm -hmm. we can't compete against their below market prices we can't uh, we can't do it 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, this, and hey, you and I have discussed this before. Yeah, this is it's not It's hard to tell from the outside, but Brazil, there's over 100 countries that trade sugar. Brazil, all by themselves, subsidized their sugar farmers somewhere between 2.5 and $4 billion a year. Wow. So, of course, every dollar they get is a dollar less they can charge for the sugar once they go to market. Mm-hmm. How is Brit- Britain's sugar farmers, or our farmers, for, uh, for that matter, supposed to compete against sugar that's $4 billion a year cheaper than the market will allow? Yeah, they can't. And, of course, they can't. And Brazil's been really obnoxious about it. Not only do they subsidize, but then they go to the WTO, World Trade Organization, and whine about other countries subsidizing. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, and, and, and they're such a big controller of the market, they, their subsidies have led them to control half the global sugar market. Wow. Uh, 100, countries, they, 100 countries compete, they control half because of their subsidies. So anytime anybody starts subsidizing, because it becomes a, a, a global government arms race, right? Yep. You know, um, everybody sees what Brazil's doing. And they can do one of two things. They can do what we've been stupidly doing and what Britain was doing, which was just being free market on their end and getting killed. Or countries like Thailand and India, who sell sugar, start, subs- uh, start increasing their subsidies because they have to compete with, with uh, Brazil. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think one of the points that needs to be made is that these, these unilateral disarmament types don't understand is these are market forces, too. Mm-hmm. If they're subsidizing, it only makes sense that you're going to subsidize, too, because market forces dictate that you have to. Yeah, ergo, uh, uh, President Trump's uh, policies in, uh, towards uh, trade, I mean, he was, right. he was basically putting uh, subsidies or putting uh, tariffs in place, not because he wanted tariffs. I mean, he was a free market guy. He basically... Them, but he, he wanted it from the beginning. I want none of this. Right. No tariffs. I want no trade limits. I want no subsidies. Right. But you're not doing anything about it, so we're going to do something about it. And, and that's what he was doing. And so the UK now was basically saying, you know, their sugar farmers are saying we can't compete. We're going to go completely out of business. Now you think, oh, it's sugar, and you think of candy and you know chocolate bars, but. Sugar's in everything. Go to your grocery store, pick five items at random. Right. And sugar will be in four of them probably, maybe five. I mean, it is a staple food item. It is a fundamental food item. And, you know, before we, you know, when you talk about global trade, before we buy 4K televisions, before we buy the latest smartphone, you got to eat. That's (laughs) right. We're making it very, very difficult for our domestic, you know, farmers are domestic food manufacturers. That's what they are. Right. And and, and it's just like any other manufacturing sector that's been destroyed by this stupid unilateral disarmament trade that we've been doing for decades. And I would argue that it is a national security imperative to keep a domestic food production base intact. Boy, is that so true. Even if we're not getting our food from China, and we are to some degree, which, again, is another separate stupid issue, (laughs) China has the ability to screw with the trade. You know, look what happened, and this is, I'm not saying, no conspiracy theory, this is an accident, I'm I'm sure of it, that boat that got sideways in in the Suez Canal. Right. And screwed up trade for days. What's to stop China from doing that intentionally? Right. Uh, not not and, much. And, and all of a sudden, our food is backed up overseas halfway around the world. And not only that, but if you take a look at some of the packaging of ch- uh, food that you get from China, <laughs> they lie. They, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. I, I, we got a package of food. It was uh, vegetables, as I recall. And I said it was organic vegetables. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't organic. Right, right. One of my favorite Reagan moments, Ronald Reagan moments, when he was president, he was giving some talk at the Rose Garden, I think, or something, to the press, and he said that the communists will lie, cheat, and steal to get what they want. And the press, of course, gasped, and, you know, oh my God, here's the cowboy bad-mouthing the Russians, the Soviets again. And, and like, like the, you know, and so he's, Michael Deaver, his aide, his longtime aide, was walking behind him, uh, you know, in that little, you know, they had those little walkways with sure. the overhang yeah. outside the White House. 
and Reagan's in front of him, Deaver's behind him, and all of a sudden Reagan stops and doesn't even turn around. He says, Mike, yes, Mr. President, the communists, they'll lie, cheat, and steal to get what they want, don't, won't they? And he goes, yes, Mr. President. He, he kind of looks over his shoulder and goes, I thought so. <laughs> kept walking. Well, guess what? We got a, we got a bunch of them right now in in Congress and the uh, actually in oh the president. We've imported them. <laughs> yeah, we have. Rashida Tlaib and uh, Ilhan Omar. We in, we invited them in. How bright was that? Uh, it's unbelievable, Seton. Uh, well, I really appreciate you pointing this out. It's a great column. I encourage our listeners to go to your website. Uh, lessgovernment.org anti-equity if they're cheating it matters not how well you do things a great insight into uh, trade tariffs and subsidies and all the things that are going on around the world in order to cheat uh, in the world trade Uh, lessgovernment.org is the website and uh, you can also visit Less Government on Facebook Seton always appreciate your commentary here on the show thanks so much for joining us have a great day sir thank you you as well thank you All right, coming up Bill Barnett he is the former mayor of Naples We're going to be talking about everything that's going on locally. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs, and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Just one of their programs is to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Bill Barnett, Mayor of Naples, former Mayor of Naples. Bill, Mayor Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks, Bob. Always always on Thursdays, and uh, uh, it's been our tradition for many years. Many years, well, I think more than a decade for sure. Yeah, uh, that's kind of scary, isn't it? It is indeed. <laughs> well, <laughs> so so uh, the community lost uh, a real uh, supporter in uh, Laverne Norris Gaynor died this week at age 97. I think she really died with her boots on. She just kept on going, didn't she? She sure did, I'll tell you. She, she was, um, they, they did some very, very nice <laughs> articles on her and said a lot of nice things um you know and 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 i knew i knew all i mean from probably i mean I, um i definitely from when i <clears throat> excuse me first got on council mm-hmm. and um um boy, she, she was just the same <clears throat> then as she as she you know was the last year or before she passed away i mean she had been ill 
in my understanding, for about a month. But um, mm. what a wonderful life yeah. and what a wonderful person, you yeah. know, and did so much, so much for this community. She did indeed, and uh, you just uh, reminded that Bernie Madoff died yesterday. And uh, you think about that life versus a, a life like Laverne Norris Gaynor. That's uh, yeah. You don't <clears throat> you, you don't waste a lot of time thinking about that, do you? No, you sure don't, Bill. So uh, anyhow, uh, just a, a nice testament to Laverne Norris Gaynor. Again, great uh, member of the community and did so many great things uh, for for uh, Naples. So. Uh, Bill, uh, we're seeing less traffic. We're seeing uh, the, the on the board. It looks like people are starting to go home. Well, you know what? <clears throat> it's interesting, Bob, because we were at a restaurant last night. Um, actually, <clears throat> excuse me, we were at Andres last night. Wow! And um, it was packed. Really? I mean, I mean, just um, uh, there weren't any tables available, which is a great thing. I mean, they were they were very pleased. And talking to a few of these of the staff, and they said they have seen a tiny bit of slowdown, but not a lot. And the only place that I've noticed it is the traffic seems to be a little bit less. But I'll tell you what, it it looks like we're going to go for a while. And there's a speculation out there that the season will run longer and and hopefully into May this year because people don't want to go back. Yep. to states that have, you know, issues and, and lockdowns and everything else. So um, we'll have to wait and see on that. Absolutely. Well, of course, uh, this, uh, I don't know what city council is going to do, but uh, our Collier County commissioners lifted the mandate. They let it expire, I think, midnight uh, a couple of nights ago, which is just really terrific. So now people can make their own decisions whether they want to wear a mask or not, which which is great. And, of course, businesses can decide if they want to have people wearing masks in their business. They certainly have that uh, ability. But uh, you know what? It just opens us up. I think it makes us more attractive. People want to stay here rather than go north where perhaps there's a lockdown or mask mandate. Well, yeah, I the city was the same. I mean, there was no, the, the, the county never even addressed it. I mean, it just expired. And I'll tell you what, yesterday, Chris and I were both, were both commenting on the fact that we have seen, like in the restaurant last night, even people coming in, they weren't, weren't wearing masks. And I was in a couple of places yesterday where um, they just didn't have masks on because, you know, they thought, well, A, they didn't have to, and there was no sign on the door or anything that said we want you to wear a mask but um i suppose it's going to be a choice you know yep. i mean i'll still wear a mask when i go into public or or until i absolutely don't see any or you see so few you know what i mean yes i do um but um i guess it's going to be a choice bob yeah i mean uh, t uh, to me i wear a mask because i'm really concerned about uh, the uh <laughs> the mask nazis that <laughs> You know, do all the virtue signaling if you're not wearing a mask. So I, I, I wear it as kind of a chin thong. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I understand that. But uh, um, the science around all this is just ridiculous. I really believe that if, in fact, uh, uh, the CDC and everybody came out and said, you know what, you don't need a mask, it's a waste, Don't you, no, no masks are required, I believe over 50% of the people would still wear a mask. Yeah, you know what? I, I think I think you're right. Um, I, I definitely think you're right until it shows that that COVID has really is down to a minimum or or they've reached herd immunity. Um, I, I I agree with you. Yeah. I think that that's that's definitely true. It's nice to be able to say, well, I think I'm just going to throw mine away and you know not wear it. But we were talking about that yesterday. I'll tell you what else I think is going to be around, and we don't talk about it. But I think you're going to see the hand sanitizers, um, you know, and the wipes and all that. It's still going to be, <coughs> excuse, me, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. I think they're going to remain popular. I think so, too. I mean, one of the things, you go on a cruise ship. Of course, they had the Legionnaire's disease problem about years back. But uh, <laughs> if you go on a cruise ship, you know, that is a really sanitary place. They got uh, those sanitizers everywhere. And now our, our governor, which I really appreciate, is taking the CDC to court to see if we can get their cruise line starting to operate uh, sometime this year because the CDC, and if I'm not mistaken, even the President of the United States is basically saying, uh, not yet. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. well, I know Governor DeSantis is certainly trying for Florida. Right. 
Well, we can... um, and and um, yeah, that needs to happen. But I think because they 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 went early, kind of, and then that remember those cruise ships got stuck with people that had COVID on them. Uh, I don't remember that, but I, yeah, I a couple of months ago. Okay, no, I didn't realize that. Huh. So I mean, it certainly is a. I mean, I think you can socially distance and so forth, do those types of things on a cruise ship. But people are aware they can take care of their own health. I say open it up. I really appreciate Governor DeSantis and what he's doing. So any good scoop on the city? Well, um, they're still floundering. I mean, uh, go, going along, um, they, uh, you know, I think I told you last week they had a 13-hour meeting. And um, they... <clears throat> You know, they sent the beach club people packing back. But how about uh, the fact that um, it's going to be a Four Seasons? You know what? That Just being a Four Seasons, you know it's going to be quality. Four Seasons is not going to put its brand on something that's anything less than five-star. So right. uh, I think I think this it's just a, a great endorsement of uh, the project uh, that and hopefully City Council will get out of the way and, and let it happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the same. It's just, it's always the, the few, uh, that cause the, the grief for the many. You know what I mean? Yes, I do, Bill. It's just, uh, so discouraging. But, uh, uh, when is, is there another city council meeting coming up? Yeah, there's a meeting on, uh, on, um, uh, next Wednesday. Actually, they have a workshop on Monday and a meeting on Wednesday. And, um, I guess, uh, from what I understand, Alfie, Oaks has uh, has got the troops uh, ready to come down there and protest something about. From my understanding, is the mayor has inst- has um, started um, uh, some kind of a thing about sanctuary cities. Now I haven't seen anything about it, but I think she wants to make Naples a sanctuary city, which is, in my opinion, kind of absurd. Um, and I don't think it'll happen. But anyway, I, you never know what she's up to because she doesn't let people know. So. Uh, Alfie, but Alfie's got wind of it, and uh, he he's gonna he's gonna have some protesters out there, from my understanding. Yeah, don't you love him? I mean, he he is he is just absolutely outstanding. I'm just if, if our listeners, if you haven't been to see the table at the corner of Livingston and uh, and uh, Immokalee Road uh, on the northeast corner, I guess it is of. Uh, Livingston and Immokalee Road. It is absolutely terrific. Uh, the and it, it's packed. I mean, it's hard to find a parking place. So Alfie, yes, he's coming down to the city council meeting, huh? That should be interesting. Well, he, I don't know if he is or or he's sending troops down there or whatever he's going to do. And I mean, his 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 followers. Um, but you never you never know with him. Uh, he he is a good guy, and he he certainly he certainly speaks his mind, Bob. Uh, I love Alfie Oaks. You know what? Uh, he should be an advertiser on the show. I really haven't asked him if he wanted to do that, but I bring him up about every every show. <laughs> so, yeah, he, get, he gets a lot of free advertising across the across the county. I'll tell you that. No question. But, um, and and I do like his store. Chris and I do wear masks when we go in there. Do you? Uh, no mask mandate. So I mean, uh, personal choice, and uh, just I respect yep. that choice, which is great. Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples. I just, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm hoping you'll reconsider running again, Bill. Well, we'll let's wait and see, Bob, what happens in the next year or so. And uh, uh, we, will, uh, we will have many conversations uh, on your show. How's that? Uh, that's p- politically said. That's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Bill, I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye, Bob. Have a good one. You see as you. well. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly had fun uh, and learned a lot. Uh, I thought the conversation with Byron Donalds was extremely informative about what's happening on the border. Uh, but all the, all the guests were just really terrific. I hope you visit, uh, be with us tomorrow. We're going to have William Yateman from the Cato Institute. He's a research fellow. Yeah, Michael Cannon is uh, Director of Health Studies at Cato. We'll visit with him as well. Jack Wirt is the Executive Director of the Naples, Marco Island, Everglades, Convention and Visitors Bureau, and Dave Bigo, a weekly guest on the show. He wrote The Devil at Our Doorstep, and uh, it's a great read about the shenanigans of uh, union leaders, SEIU union bosses, uh, when they tried to unionize his uh, shop. I uh, always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Don't forget that uh, if Saturday I've got some tickets to give away. 
celebrating kids and country. It's going to be at the Naples Community Church, uh, 9 until noon. It's going to be a terrific program. Uh, if you'd like to uh, attend uh, as my guest, just send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.